So, tonight we are, uh, this series on uh, spiritually, spiritually, spiritually transmitted diseases is a one-week series. It's just one, it's just one message. That's it. But thanks for the, uh, the, the, the amazing introduction for that great series that we've got. It's going for a whole one week. Um, look, diseases aren't fun. Um, diseases are a product of the fall. Uh, when, when Adam and Eve sinned, uh, disease entered, curse entered, sickness entered, death entered, mushroom spores entered the planet. That's part of the deal. And uh, probably capsicums at that time as well. Just don't believe in capsicum in Jesus' name. Uh, or celery, actually. Do you know celery? Uh, it takes more calories to eat celery than it does to throw it back to the pits of hell from whence it came. So um, that's a great thing to have. So, but yeah, sicknesses did come in at that point. And uh, they're never fun to talk about. They're certainly never fun to have. And so I have had a, a, a virus in my body um, since 19, at least 1980. There's photographic evidence of a virus in my body showing with a big scab on my lip uh, at age five. I was in kindergarten, uh, Tunkari Primary School. Uh, was, um, was, was in uh, the school photos, the class photos, and all I could see. And I've got the cheesiest grin. Could you imagine my cute little cheesy grin at age five? Largest head on any child you've ever seen on the planet, but the largest scabby, pussy, weeping coal sore. Um, if anyone has coal sores out there, you will understand the feeling. They are not fun. And, um, but my, my biggest issue with the coal sores um, is that what happens is that when I get a cold sore, I get no kisses. Uh, so my wife is like, I don't want to kiss you. I'm like, this is not, this is not cool. And so um, it restricts. It is not fun. Um, and it's not just the cracking. It's not just the bleeding. It's not just the oozing. It's the contagious nature of this ugly virus that occasionally just decides to show up on my lip every now and then. Um, now, Jesus showed us, there's this story that we're going to read in, uh, in Matthew chapter 13, uh, in the gospel account of, of, of Matthew, uh, the biographical account that he talks about his, his time with Jesus. We find in Matthew chapter 13 that there's some people, there's a whole community that have got some spiritually transmitted disease and it limits them. It limits actually God and God's work in their life and God's work in their community. I certainly wouldn't want anything to hold me back from God's work being active in my life, being present, being strong in my life, my family, my community, my city because of a spiritually transmitted disease. Um, in the Psalms, the psalmist actually um, wrote about a similar kind of concept. In Psalm 78, uh, we're going to read verse 40 and 41. In the Old King James, it's going to be a little bit Shakespearean um, in the language, but you'll see how oft, which is short for often. I don't know if you knew that, but how often, oft. Everyone say oft. Mm, you, 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 okay, sure. Uh, how oft do they provoke him? Uh, that's God. Uh, provoke God in the wilderness and grieve him in the desert. It's talking about the children of Israel, uh, about God's chosen people, how he rescued them out of Egypt, but yet they still continue to rebel against God and not trust him. Wouldn't you think if you've gone through the Red Sea, if you've seen Pharaoh's armies, if you've seen the plagues of Egypt, you'd think, man, I've seen everything. I'm just going to follow God. But yet they didn't. They kept on uh, going to and fro, vacillating between following God and following uh, whatever notion was in front of them. They grieved him in the desert. Yea, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. 
God is limitless. God's power is limitless. He stands outside of, he's not bound by time. He's not bound by, knows everything. His strength knows no limits. He's the kind of God that speaks the world into existence, spits stars into their right place and into orbit. This is a wild, massive God. But yet, if you've got a spiritually transmitted disease, it will limit. It'll limit you. It'll limit the people around you. It'll limit the, uh, the community that you're a part of. Matthew chapter 13, Jesus um, was, was, was rocking up and he comes to his own hometown. Verse 53 of the book of Matthew. Um, when Jesus had finished these parables, which parables? Well, if you read the rest of the chapter, you can find that out. Bit of homework for you later on. Anyway, he, he moved on from there. Coming to his hometown. Everyone say hometown. Comes to his hometown. He began teaching the people in their synagogue. They were amazed. Where did this man get the wisdom and these miraculous powers, they asked? But not everyone's got the same response. Then some people start to ask, isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his, Mary, isn't his mother's name Mary? And aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? Aren't all his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town and in his own home. And he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. Um, so you've got the first bunch of people that go, wow, this is amazing. This is wild. So wise, so powerful. So like, this is so good. I just want to listen. This is absolutely amazing. Then there's this other bunch of people that they go, now they start to talk about all Jesus' rallies. So we know his mum's name. We know his dad. And I used to think that's odd. Why are they starting to talk about all Jesus' relatives? I know his mum's name. I know his dad's name. I know, I know his cousin's um, Steve-O. And I know his um, great Artie Ethel. Like they're talking about all the, all the family members. I'm like, is this, a, is this a family reunion back at Nazareth? Like what is going on here? And so you find out, if you actually dig into it, what they were saying is, I know where he comes from. Because Jesus was born to a virgin Mary. And never, but no one's thinking that. At that point, this is not a famous story. At that point, they don't believe in the miracle. Mary is pregnant via virgin birth to the Holy Spirit. Yeah, right. So they're all going, hey, you, you, you were born in sin, mate. Don't come and tell us what to do. So they're like, I know your family. That's why they're saying, I know your mum. And I know your dad, who was in a bit of a rush back in the day, obviously. Right? Old Jojo couldn't control his hormones. But that's what they're saying. You were born in sin, mate. Don't think you can come around here and tell us what to do. No matter how good you think you are, no matter how wise you think you are. So, but not everyone's so excited. I find this when I go back to my old hometown of Foster. There are some people that go, wow. I knew you back then. You're not the same. And they think it's amazing. And you know what it shows? It doesn't show how good I am. It shows how good God is. There's a guy, a friend of mine, who's a keyboard warrior. He's not an atheist. He's an anti-theist. He's the kind of guy that will talk to you about uh, your um, Santa Claus in the sky, your fairy godmother that gives you God. He'll talk about God like that, all of your religion sort of stuff. Absolutely has a crack. And I just keep on, I just keep on, every time I see one, I just put lol. Nice one, mate. Like we, we're old mates. We used to play soccer together. So we just have a laugh. 
And uh, we, we talk about other kinds of different stuff. But then when I walk in, a, he, he, runs a, he runs a surf shop in town. I walk in, g'day, mate, how you doing? He's the warmest, nicest kind of guy. He's like, you know what? Every, he, for some reason, he thinks my brand of Christianity is okay. He's always interested. And he goes, I knew you when you were a punk playing soccer back in the day at Pacific Palms. Panthers? But now, I know, the Panthers? I know. And so, but I know you now, and this is totally different but not everyone's like that some people are like yeah I don't know I don't buy it and it's amazing how Jesus the son of God with all of the answers rocks up into town and are two different types of people's response according to the Jesus that's in front of them Jesus was the same it was just like one had from the left hand side and one had from the right hand side there was two different views but they heard the same thing but it was the condition of the heart because some had a spiritually transmitted disease Now, because there was a lack of honor, therefore a lack of faith, Jesus did not do many miracles. A couple of sniffly noses, maybe a headache. I don't know, but that's it. He didn't do much, and he was actually limited by people's um, spiritually transmitted diseases. So here's the deal that we need to look at um, in our life. We've got to ask ourselves three big questions when it comes to this. Because you wouldn't want to be limiting the Holy One of Israel. God who wants to do great things in you and through you, yet oftentimes because of our life or lifestyle or actions or reactions, then we actually put limits on the God who wants to unleash His best for our lives. And so, first question you want to ask, how would you know if you had a spiritually transmitted disease? Here's the problem, often you won't. Um, it's easy. For me, there's so many, for, for ages, I, if I'm between cold sores, and when a cold sore comes up, you know it's coming. There's a tingle. You've got to deal with it. Um, after this morning's message, I had a lot of people giving me uh, medical advice, pharmaceutical advice, all kinds of advice. Uh, and machine gave me legal advice, all kinds of different stuff. And so, sorry, six-minute increments. She charged me totally. Um, Jack said, hey, come to Terrace Physio Plus, and uh, we can give you some physio. Actually, won't give me physio, but that's another story. So, but... Uh, so I was giving all, people giving me all these different advice and oftentimes between a cold sore appearing on my face, I completely forget about it, but I still carry the virus. And a lot of times, if you've got a spiritually transmitted disease, you'll be plugging on and thinking someone else is the problem. It's only when it rears up, you go, there's a problem. And oftentimes we cruise between these situations, but how would you know? Well, oftentimes you don't. And the only way we ever get about it, the only way I've ever seen myself get through and kind of, I make excuses. I justify my actions, my reactions. And there's a few ways that you'll know if you actually have a bit of self-awareness and look at it. Number one, um, you'll know you've got a spiritually transmitted disease um, if you've got a second life. That could be online. It could just be, this is who I am at church. This is my church friends. This is who I am with my sport friends, this is who I am with my work friends, this is who I, am, who I am at university, this is who I am when I'm with these people. If you've got a second life, it's indicative of a spiritually transmitted disease. If you're stingy, because God so loved the world that he gave. Now, that's not just talking about finances. Finances are always included in a spirit of generosity, but it does mean time. It does mean you smile. It does mean your energy. It does mean nice words, encouraging words. There's a lot of different ways to actually show and to shine the generosity of an amazing God. It does include finance. Never let that one go. But the deal is, if you find yourself stingy, it's just indicative. That's a symptom of a spiritually transmitted disease. Um, There are some people that have got the 
brilliant ability to analyze. But what you've got to watch for is if your analysis changes from analysis to uh, criticism or then cynicism, you've got a, you've got a spiritually transmitted disease. Um, it creates a pride. We end up blaming others. If you blame others instead of taking personal responsibility, we realize that's exactly what Adam and Eve did when they sinned. They just blamed each other. Adam goes, it's the woman you sent me. She goes, it was the serpent. They could have just taken some responsibility, but they didn't. It shows a spiritually transmitted disease. You could have distrust. You could have fear. But the deal is no matter which one of these it is, or maybe others, maybe you just get offended. Maybe you find the, the, the recent practice of finding anything to get offended about. You see the difference in another person, the color of their skin. Well, you call it privilege, a whole range of different things, and you'll get offended. It's just indicative of a spiritually transmitted disease. You don't need to be offended. The offense is holding you back, and it will end up holding back God around your life. So God talks about that we would forgive, that we would receive and give forgiveness at the same time. Don't look to take offense look to forgive, look to include, don't look to find a problem, look to actually be the one that finds a solution. The deal is, if you have these spiritually transmitted diseases, it will create people problems. Number one, this is what will happen, is if you have any of those, you will find people of a similar ilk, you will find people of a similar genre, and birds of a feather will flock together. The cynics flock together, the blamatitis flock together, the fearful people flock together, the second life people flock together. It's what happens. The second thing is that the people think, well, if that's what they say about other people in my presence, what do they say about me in someone else's presence? It creates a further distrust. It actually takes away from the kind of connection and teamwork and partnership that's required in the gospel to take what God's doing here outside of the four walls. The third thing is it, it does is we've got to think, if I'm praying for God to move on my behalf, I'm praying for God to move in my family or my loved ones that don't yet know Jesus, and I've got a spiritually transmitted disease. Well, I've got to think, what kind of brand of Christianity am I being the example of? Because people are seeing a brand of Christianity. I'm praying for God to move and for salvation to touch someone's heart that I really, really love, but yet I've working out these relational problems with these spiritually transmitted diseases. But the deal is it's so easy to fall into these. The answer is to find godly and direct, no matter the spiritually transmitted disease, find godly and direct and loving leadership and ask them, hey, what do I need to hear that you're not telling me? What, what, could, what could I do? What, what, could, what could help me? What, do I, what am I blind to? What could, what could, how could I change? Or is there any of these areas? Or I, I find myself heading towards gossip. I, head, I find myself heading towards being offended. I find myself heading towards being cynical and critical about people. I find myself having a second life or being stingy. Hey, what can I do to change that? If you find godly and direct and loving leadership, what you can do is you can start to grow with a bit of self-awareness. It takes humbling yourself. And then when they say it, don't justify. When they go, hey, what about this? Don't justify. So how do you know? That's how you know. It's best to know with getting some self-awareness and asking someone to help you with that. The second thing is not just how do you know. Well, how did you contract it? Any disease is contracted 
maybe not any disease, any communicable disease is contracted um, via, um, uh, Dr. Cal's giving me a mark out of 10 later on, so I've really got to be very careful with my wording, um, is, is contracted via um, intimacy, some form of connection. Um, I, got, I got what's called, it's a strand of herpes that attaches to my face. It's a simplex of herpes. That's what cold sores are. And so what happened is somewhere before the age of five, old Dave, now let me just tell you, the word, if I've ever asked my father, and all I've asked him too, he's got no problem telling me. What, what was I like as a child? His word every single time will be the word infuriating. <laughs> Absolutely infuriating. I, I, and, and look, I, I, I reckon my mum did special education once I, once I left home and went off to Bible college and moved away. And she did special education. We were talking about these sorts of things. And I said, mum, do you think like I have any of those? And she goes, oh, Dave, if you're at school right now, they would label you with ADD. They would try to drug you up to the eyeballs. This is absolutely, and I'm like, oh, okay, crazy. And she's like, yeah, but that's okay. We didn't do that. That's fantastic. But the deal is I was into everything. If there was trouble, I was in it. If there was a distraction, I was in it. If there was food, I was eating it. If there was something to drink, I was drinking it. If there was trouble, if there was anything that would gonna get me into mischief, I was just there because I was just distracted. And one day what's happened is someone's had a drink of something nice and maybe I reckon I've gone and, shared someone's spit. Someone who had an active cold sore is drunk on a bottle or a cup. And there's a little bit left and Dave thought, that looks nice. Little four or five-year-old Dave. Little infuriating Dave. Biggest smile, biggest head you've ever seen, shock of white hair, has come along and has ended up contracting a communicable disease because of contact with that virus. The deal is, how do you contract a spiritually transmitted disease? It's through contact. This is where understanding the home that you were brought up in is really important. Don't judge your parents. I love my folks. They're great people. But what I'm looking to give to my children is the next step again, is improvements. I appreciate my parents. Don't ever judge your folks if they did their best. You may have to have boundaries because they did their best, but it's still maybe slightly destructive. You may have to be very clear about what you will do and what you won't do. There's a range. You've got to be clear with these types of things. But the deal is you, you can make improvements. You can actually make those improvements, but you've got to then make the assessment. What really was the home like? And I find, here's the crazy thing, I listen to my kids talking to each other and hear them saying things that I've said to them that my dad said to me and I'm like, oh, that doesn't sound good. And then I realize where they get it from, they got it from me. And I didn't shake it. It came from my parents as well. I'm like, this is not great. Why are you getting so grumpy with each other, boys? Oh, guilty. Because what walks in a parent will usually end up running in a child. And you'll either, this is what we do, with those negative things that we didn't like or appreciate, the two options that we've got is we either follow the same example because that's what we've been focusing on or we react in other ways. You might react in distrust or in fear or you might follow along. If stinginess was in your home, then it's so easy to actually continue on that. If cynicism is in the home, we pick that up. If negative words are in the home, we pick that up. But isn't it true for exactly the opposite as well? If positive words are in the home, if encouragement is in the home, if blessing is in the home, if generosity is in the home, if love is in the home, then it's easy to pick that up. How do you contract the negative? Well, it's by contact. 
So therefore, when you find someone around you, and it's going to happen, someone with a spiritually transmitted disease, all of a sudden, you've got the opportunity. Do I drink from the same cup? Do I? What do I do at that time? Because it's easy to go along with the fun and tease that person or be cynical or show your distrust or continue on with the negativity. It's way too easy to continue on with fear. It's way too easy to come up with excuses and blame someone else. It's way too easy to continue on with a second life because we just roll with it or we allow it to happen. And you've got the choice. Do I drink from the same cup? And I'm like, I wish that little infuriating big-headed Dave back in the day didn't drink on someone else's cup and get himself a virus which, whoa, 39 years later is still potentially active and comes out. Under pressure, it still comes out. I've just got to watch what am I going to do when I've got the opportunity, when someone's got a spiritually transmitted disease. Do I drink from the same cup? What do I do? I would suggest don't drink. I would suggest don't drink. I would suggest like have some other form of reaction or response. When someone is talking about a distrust, I would say, hey, I would say, look, I don't know. I think we should give the benefit of the doubt. Sometimes you might have to laugh it off. Sometimes you might have to go, I don't know if you've got the full story. Sometimes you have to say, well, have we talked to the person in question or are we just talking about the person in question? You could go along with it. I'm not saying you have to correct everyone every time, but you've got the choice. Do you drink from the same cup or do you choose a different path? You could redirect, you could give the benefit of the doubt, you could laugh it off, but you will protect your soul. When I've got an active cold sore, I love to kiss my wife, it's fantastic. But when I've got an active cold sore, it's the last thing I want to do. I don't want that pretty face having those ugly things on it. It's really uncomfortable. I don't like the look of it on me, let alone on my gorgeous wife. So at that point, I say, don't, don't make contact with someone with a communicable disease. You, you will make some form of contact. You will be in contact with them, but it's how you respond in that point will, will actually lead to whether you become someone that helps someone else out or whether you actually succumb to the same issue, same spiritually transmitted disease. The third thing, third question is how to recover. Because we all really have something. There's all, there's, for every single one of us, there's something. There's a thing that holds us back. There's a, there, there's a problem. There's a spiritually transmitted disease. There's a, there's a distance between us and what God's best is for our life. We're, with, with some kind of way, we often limit the, the Holy One of Israel that we actually get to a point where God comes to our hometown and because of distrust, because of a spiritually transmitted disease, because of a lack of honor or a lack of faith or whatever it is, we actually hold God back and He wants to do great things through our lives. We might be praying for it and God wants to move, but I tell you what, you need to learn how to recover. The first thing is to actually realize I've got to be self-aware. If I'm self-aware and I realize I've got pride or cynicism or criticism, then I've got to start to listen instead of talking. I've got to be teachable instead of wanting to teach. I've got to ask people to call me out on my bad behavior or bad reactions instead of the opposite. I've got to give people the benefit of the doubt instead of seeing from a cynical angle. How to recover? If you react with distrust, you've got to learn to forgive, but with boundaries. Don't think forgiving equals letting them do that again to you. It doesn't. Forgive with boundaries equals maybe getting some great wise counsel about what to do, what not to do, how to allow them into your world and to show love and to receive love, but not allow them to be you to be their doormat ever again.
if you react with fear, well, the answer is to learn how to give something a go again. Give it a go. You've been hurt in a previous situation. Therefore, you've held back from being involved with the call of God on your life. Give it a go. Just give it a go. Say, God, help me through this. Give me wisdom. Give me peace. You might have to learn how to love again. Don't, don't throw yourself in. Don't throw yourself over the ledge of love. Take, take wise steps in. If, you've, if your spiritually transmitted disease is stinginess, choose generosity. Choose every single time to speak words of generosity, to speak words of love, to give extra time to those people around you, to look for an opportunity to give and go, you know what, I'm in for that type of thing. I don't want that spiritually transmitted disease to be in my heart and affect those around me and to hold back God's great power that wants to work in and through me. If you've got blame, then you've got to take personal responsibility. If, if giving blame to someone else, well, then you've got to take personal responsibility. If you're loose with the truth, then you've got to be very straight with the truth. On yourself, throw yourself under the bus. Be straight with the truth. If you've got a second life, then you want to confess your sins to God because He's faithful and just to forgive you. But also you want to confess to one another, the Bible says, that you can pray for each other that you might be healed. These cold sores are a pain in the neck. And they come up when I'm most stressed. When the pressure's on, I get a tingle. Right about there. Hands up those who know the tingle. I've got a few. No, no one wants to confess. You've got herpes. <laughs> it's true. It's different simplexes of it, but that's the truth. What I'm looking for as soon as I feel the tingle, until I got some pharmaceutical advice this morning, which I might change my tune from now on, I, I will get myself to a pharmacist. I will get myself, here's the deal, there's a little tube, it's about yay big, it's tiny. You just need a little bit, it's called Zavirax. Everyone say Zavirax. It's the sweet elixir from God that gets rid of the tingle and stops the cold sore coming through. It's amazing stuff, straight from heaven, I believe. The problem is with the Zavirax thing, it's only this big. It just gets lost all the time. You, you, you buy it and, it pay, like the, and the pharmacists know that you're going to lose it. And so they just make sure they're going to jack the prices up because you know you need it. You know you don't want this demonic big scab on your face. And so you're just going to pay whatever it takes. You want to go and get that sort of stuff. And I've lost my Zavirax. I have to go to the pharmacist and get some more Zavirax. And I can't believe I have to sell a kidney to be able to afford my new tube of Zavirax. But yet it's worth it because I don't want that scab on my face. But when I get that Zavirax, no matter how many times I put it on, and I might avoid coming out with a cold sore, I still have the virus. You could cover up for a spiritually transmitted disease. You could pretend. You could try to do things. You could make those decisions to, instead of pride or cynicism or criticism, be listening and be teachable and ask people to call you out on stuff. You could respond differently to fear and give it a go again. But the deal is without actually having a connection point when my heart is changed between me and God, then every step that I take is just Zavirax covering up a symptom. And every one of us, there's going to be some steps to take. I've never had an issue with my heart, a spiritually transmitted disease that hasn't taken a lot of work of me going, God, I need you to help me, strengthen me because it's really difficult. So I've got all these years of habits doing exactly the opposite and I'm trying to do this from now on. And you will, you, I tell you, under pressure, 
you'll go back to exactly where you were unless right now, unless some point there is a, there is a connection point with God and your heart where heaven actually connects with our hearts. You want God, the unlimited one, the Holy One of Israel, not to be limited. You want the God of the impossible to make impossible things possible in your world. You don't want to limit this stuff. You, you, you want to open your heart up and your life to say, God, here I am. I got some habits from some old stuff. I might have picked it up from my home. I might have picked it up from some cynical people around me. I might have had previous experiences in church or in family or in relationships or in workplaces. It could be a range of different places where you've picked up spiritually transmitted diseases, but you picked up and you drank from the cup one day. There's going to be some steps out, but it always, only, ever starts the process with an open heart to God that says, I don't want this anymore. It's messing me up. It's self-awareness. Okay, God, I don't want to be the same. Put your bow your heads and close your eyes because I just believe God wants to do a remarkable work. I get the musos to come. It's going to be awesome. God wants to do an amazing work in your life. There's an action plan that I've given you. It's biblical. It works. But the deal is, the action plan is just Zavirax on your, on your virus. It's dealing with symptoms and it's hiding the fact that the virus still exists. What I need, the only way to kick this virus in my body is a connection point with Jesus where I get healing from a virus. Completely doable and I'm praying. I'm believing God. I haven't had one in years. I'm trusting God is gone. But I don't just want to put Zavirax on a tingle and avoid the symptom. What I want to do is I want to say, God, here's my heart. Will you deal with the virus? I drank from a cup and I got a virus. It's a spiritually transmitted disease and I don't want it in my life ever again. So come on, right where you're at, just between you and God. There's, this is a moment. This is a moment of doing business with God. You've been guarded. You've been blowing up. You've been cynical. You've been blaming. You've been stingy. You've had a second life. You've been fearful. You've been distrusting. You've been reactionary. You got offended at anything. It's a symptom of a spiritually transmitted disease. And the only way to actually deal with it is to bring it to the God who wipes everything as white as snow. Clean, fresh, His love, undeniable and strong. No virus, no spiritually transmitted disease has any hope of withstanding the strength of this amazing God. And He is here right now. Father, I pray. God, every person, come on across this place, just lift your hands to heaven and act of surrender. Allow God to do something remarkable in your life. Bring your heart before God and say, God, I, I don't just want a change of life. I want an exchange of life, an exchange of heart where I take yours and I give you mine. I thank you there's healing right now for hearts and minds and lives. God, I thank you there's an encounter point with heaven where people are never the same again. God, I thank you that you 
pour out your spirit. It's not by might, it's not by power, it's by the spirit of God. Father, I thank you here tonight, Lord God, that you are doing a work in and through every person's life. Lord God, we never be the same again. We never want to limit you ever again. We never want you to come to our hometown and yet you be limited and only be able to do just a couple little miracles. God, we want you to do everything you want. Let your power move in us. Let your power move through us, Lord God. And let the world be different because we open our heart up to you.